0: Hello, welcome to Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. This podcast is brought to you by Kimray. Please visit us at kimray.com to see our full slate of training materials, videos, and other resources. Also, do you have a question you would like to hear us discuss? We are currently curating a list of listener questions. Uh, you can send an email to podcast at kimray.com, podcast at kimray.com. With any topic or question you would like us to, to uh, discuss, and we would love to uh, to put that on air. I'm your host, Curtis Winkle, and I'm here today again with Kyle Andrews. How are you, Kyle? I'm well, Curtis. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm a, I'm a little bit sore. You know, I, I play in a men's baseball league, mm-hmm. uh, and I pitched three innings on Saturday, and um, I'm feeling it now. Uh, I pitched three innings, and then yesterday went and threw batting practice to my kids, and uh, that was a big mistake, so... I feel like my arm's gonna fall off soon, and I've heard, you know, of this the compression. You know, the compression is the big deal right now, right? So, I've read like you shouldn't ice, which is what I grew up hearing. You should ice your sore muscles, but you should uh, compress them. So uh, anyway, I've been. So do you doing... uh, wrap your shoulder in between innings? Yeah, I've got this shoulder thing. Not between innings, but just after after the game to try and increase blood flow. But yeah. are you?
1: throwing it as hard as you can how fast are you throwing it
0: yeah i mean i mean who's to
1: say how you know you know 95 96 probably yeah i mean i probably hit
0: 120 a few times but uh but who's the yeah who's to say uh but yeah no i'm giving it all giving it all this four-year-old arm can can give it so yeah Yeah, so you were we haven't we haven't talked in a little while you were just up in wyoming right
1: i was yeah i've i've been traveling this last last month quite a bit that was last, that was. It, go ahead. I was going to say my last trip was to Wyoming, and that was business or pleasure or both. Uh, it was business. Um, so I went up there, our distributor uh, in Casper, Wyoming, uh, Rocky Mountain Oilfield Warehouse. Uh, I went up there to do some training with them on um, gas dehydration. So we went through, you know, the function of each piece of equipment. You know from the reboiler to the contact tower the glycol pump uh, went through the function of each and just did a a whole day of training in the classroom there and then we went uh, to an oem that's there in casper Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: walked through the uh, the equipment so we got to learn about it and then kind of see it uh, in person which was good
0: yeah was it a, a functioning site
1: uh it was not um it was uh you know, it was a skidded unit that had been in use, Gosh. but it was just sitting in a yard um, at the time that we looked at it. Uh, but it's it's still good to see all that equipment. It's it's one thing to look at it on a screen and see a you know a P and I D of it, and then it's another thing to see it in person and try to follow those pipes and the flow throughout the entire thing. Um, I know for me personally, it it really helps me learn, and I can see it you know in person and and follow it. So shout out to Rocky Mountain and Philip Cooper and yep. was Arthur up there with you? Yep, yep. Arthur Stewart, our our VDM, was up there with me. Um, we even had a uh, some of the guys from our other Rocky Mountain store locations uh, join us, and we had a uh, an engineer uh, from a local OEM come as well. So that was Very good. Cool. Very cool.
0: All right, man. Well, I, so you you said something earlier that I wanted to. Uh, to make sure I had straight. So this was, you said this was the highest you've been standing on the
1: ground. Correct. So uh, elevation-wise, the okay. the top of Casper Mountain uh, is about 8,100 feet. Uh, the city of Casper itself is about 5,500, uh, but we drove up to the top of uh, the mountain and got up to 8,100 feet. The weather was beautiful while we were there. Everybody said that They've had more rain in the past couple of months than, than they can remember in recent years. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's kind of an unusually wet summer for them. Yeah. Uh, but the weather was extremely nice.
0: Okay. I've yet to go up there. That sounds lovely. So we uh, took the family to, we stayed in Silverthorne, Colorado a few weeks ago. And we did a, a little bit of hiking. So we got up to 12,000 feet a little bit, a little bit above 12,000 feet. And I definitely felt it. Uh, Yeah, I was, so I took my two oldest and we climbed this, this mountain called Buffalo mountain. And uh, the first, first hour of the hike was great. It was switchbacks in the trees and occasional, you know, lookout points. Uh, But then we got to this, I mean, just a boulder field and it was a good hour, hour and a half of trying to figure out and navigate how to get the over these boulders and they were all, you know, it's basically a forty-five degree climb. And so uh anyway, it was it was not the funnest hike, but there were some mountain goats when we got up there.
1: Yeah. Now twelve thousand feet, is that above the tree line?
0: Yes. That was so above you, the tree line of that mountain.
1: So you got up where you just weren't fighting with any trees. It was just boulders at that sure. point.
0: That's right. Yeah. Just all 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 rocky boulders until
1: until we got to the top. Yeah. Uh, Any snow at the, the very top?
0: No, not on the one we were on. We could look out and there were some other peaks that we could see that had snow caps. But just uh, there were four mountain goats up there. My son started unwrapping a, a snack granola bar and this goat started coming towards us. And I was like, <laughs> I could, you know, I I was kind of already. style moved. goat. Yeah. I was like, what do you do? I know. You know there's different things you do depending on the type of bear it is, but I haven't done my goat research, and so do you play dead or is you know what I mean like that sounds dumb, but they they have horns up there, they're like mountain goats, they have horns, so yeah, anyway, we decided on like trying to make ourselves big and scaring it off, and that worked and then we we threw a couple of rocks at it, but didn't yeah. hit it.
1: you never know with those things I mean, you're in their territory, and they're they're comfortable up there, they can balance on anything, and you can't, so that's they, right, even if they charge you i mean we kind of had a uh, disadvantage there
0: and of all the ways to go, you know, like gored to death by a mountain goat is not, that's probably not in my top five ways I want to go out. Exactly. So, uh, that would be a bad legacy to leave, I think for my kids. So, all right. So, uh, let's shift over to our topic for the day, which is three symptoms of an oversized control valve. We talk about sizing regularly. It's one of our most visited pages on the Kimray.com website. um, Is is sizing uh, for for a valve? So this is a pretty important topic, and and this is something you see pretty regularly, right? Is is oversized control valves?
1: Yeah, I'd say it would be something that would plague uh, most producers is trying to get the correct size valve in the right application. You know, there's kind of standards spoken standards that know say hey a two inch high pressure control valve being used in a liquid dump application just throw a one inch trim in there you know it's just kind of the biggest size in that specific valve line right but that's you know you can't just throw one trim size at every single application and expect it to work uh, sometimes you need to adjust what you're doing
0: yeah and so we're going to get to talking to that i think towards the end of the episode but let's Let's start with with some symptoms. So if if uh, you see some of the, we've got three things here, and if you see one of these things going on or or a combination, this means you you may have an oversized control valve on your hands. So the the first one is your valve can't find a set point. Can you talk about that, Kyle?
1: Yeah. So if you you see your control valve hunting for a set point or, or opening and closing constantly. Um, it's not smooth acting. It's you know rapidly opening and closing. What's going on is it's trying to control a set point, whatever that is. And when it makes an adjustment to open, it lets too much through, too much volume through, too much pressure through. So it has to quickly make an adjustment to close back down. But then when it has to open up again, it lets too much through and it has to close quickly. Um, so that opening and shutting or some people call it chattering is a good sign that the valve is oversized and it's it's too big Uh, ideally you want your control valve to open to a certain percentage where it's passing enough volume to keep your pressure set point and it's just staying right there you know neither opening or closing you know that would be an ideal scenario but if it does make an adjustment you want that adjustment to be slow and smooth um, not, you know, fast and erratic. Right.
0: And is this are we uh, is this
1: typically a uh, problem with uh,
0: dump dump applications?
1: Um. So I see this a lot in uh, gas regulation applications. Okay. Um. You can't see it in in dump valve applications. It's less common, um, just because with a dump valve, you know, you have a level controller telling that valve when to open and close, and so when the liquid level increases. It's opening that dump valve completely until the level goes down, Mm -hmm. and then it's closing it. You might see that in a liquid application if you had a snap-acting level controller, maybe snap-trim. It would evacuate enough fluids to react quick, but really in in gas applications where you're trying to control a pressure set point is where we see this the most.
0: Okay, so let's talk about number two here, which is uh, the second symptom of an oversized control valve would be water hammering.
1: Yep, so water hammering. Now, this would apply to uh, liquid applications. Okay. Uh, so the first is mostly gas applications. Uh, number two, water hammering is uh, liquid applications. So what water hammering means is when a dump valve opens or any valve that's passing fluid through it, that fluid, as it starts to move, Um, has energy so if you quickly close off that dump valve or or control valve all of that energy is is still has momentum it's still moving right so when you close off that dump valve uh, that water is hammering against that valve and you can see the 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 piping and the valve shape when that happens and it makes a loud uh, boom you know so it's just impacting that valve um, so that's what water hammering is, and it's happening because, like I said before, as the valve opens, it's evacuate it's going to be evacuating fluid really quickly if it's too big, if it's oversized. And so the the level control and valve have to make a quick correction uh, when it lets too much through and it closes quickly. But you know once you get that fluid moving and the valve closes quickly, it's it's impacting that valve. Uh, and causing damage, you know it can those vibrations that that water hammering creates can it can harm the valve trim. It can even break uh, the coupling block that holds the upper and lower stem together um, just because that it, it's so violent when it shakes, yeah, uh, the the piping that I assume the connections and all that weren't
0: weren't designed to withstand a whole bunch of of vibration mhm, yeah,
1: violent vibration, too.
0: All right. So, that, that's something that you need to make sure and address, and it could possibly be um, uh, likely that that uh, you have an oversized valve there. Uh, all right. The third symptom would be premature wear on the valve packing. So, I assume we're opening up the valve and seeing this wear.
1: Yep. So, if you see a control valve leaking around the stem out of the packing and stuffing box, you know, that's an indication that the packing has failed. When a valve is oversized, it's going to be opening and closing a lot because it's, you know, having to react and and make those adjustments quickly. Uh, And so that high stroke count, just wearing on that packing more than usual. And so you're going to see a a faster breakdown of that valve packing, and you're going to be replacing it more often uh, than you would if you had an appropriately sized valve. Um, So just making sure that the packing is in good shape, but if you're going through a bunch of packing that's a a sign of of an oversized valve and that wear on the packing kind of goes along with you know all of the other symptoms that we've talked about with the valve opening closing quickly water hammering um, and all kind of you could you could potentially see all three of these things happening uh, at one time
0: yeah no no i assume um this most often happens in what we're going to talk about next, which is, is changing connection. So, I, I mean, conditions. So, mm-hmm. I assume, like, typically when you get a valve uh, set up initially, I mean, <laughs> if it's hammering right off the bat, you know you've, you've done something wrong or you've sized, sized it uh, incorrectly. But uh, uh, over time, obviously, well conditions aren't going to, you know, stay steady um, and so as, as your, your production, uh, volumes change, that's when, uh,
1: your, your valve size and that kind of thing will need to change. Right. Correct. So initial, you know, production is usually people are good about sizing the valve for initial production, uh, but maybe the well isn't producing what you thought it would mm-hmm. right off the bat, or maybe this is a, uh, an existing well that you've, you know, put a, uh secondary recovery on so you know gas lift or rod lift you know any other kind of artificial lift you've installed on this well and so now production rates are up all of a sudden which is a good thing but you know changing well conditions there's not a valve that can do you know there's not a valve that can do 500 barrels a day and then you know also do uh, 4,000 barrels a day Um, so you need uh, you need to change your valving with the changing well conditions, whether that's you know flow rate and pressure or combination of the two, you need those things. Yeah,
0: and one of the nice things about uh, the high pressure control valve is you can adjust the, just the trim, and and you may not always need to change the entire body, right?
1: Correct. So the our two inch control valve can go you know, from quarter inch trim all the way to one inch trim, uh, anywhere in between there. Uh, even with our one-inch valves, you know, we can go from eighth inch to half inch, and so there's uh, some flexibility there with our high-pressure control valve uh, to swap out just the trim. You know, you don't even have to remove a valve body from line. Uh, it's a quick, quick swap. Um, you can do it in, uh, you know, a few minutes, and that way you keep production going, but have the correct size valve and trim in place, so that way it's not hammering or it's not Trying to hunt for that set point. I've seen some producers what they'll do if they've seen some of these some of these symptoms, and this is kind of a, a band-aid, something you can do until you can get the correct size valve. Mm. Um, but if you if you lessen the supply pressure of the pilot or the level controller, uh, you can get the reaction time of the valve itself to slow a little bit, um, which can help with some of these symptoms. Uh, But again, it's just kind of a Band-Aid. Right. You know, you need to address the real problem. Right, right. Well, I think so
0: that's it. That's three symptoms of an oversized control valve. We'll link to uh, the blog associated with this topic as well as uh, our sizing page and some of the other things we mentioned in this episode's show notes. And we will catch you next time on Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production.